privilege of traveling the state. We have 190 or so churches that we work with, so we're all over the, the state. I was just sitting there thinking a while ago, man, we, this week we have been Southern Oregon, Central Oregon, here, Portland last week, had a smaller church conference last week with about 60 pastors, so we have seen a lot of people. But I got to tell you, nobody had as much energy as Nate did. In fact, we see all of these. Where did Nate go? He went out to take a nap probably after that, right? He gets a coffee. Yeah, that's probably right too. Well, when he comes back in, you tell him. I said that was fantastic. We'd like to take him everywhere. The problem is, is if he, when you get that kind of announcements, you got to follow that. And there is no way I can do that. I'm just telling you right up front, all right? Hey, we are here on a very uh, historic day in the history of this church. It was alluded to a little bit earlier, and, and Pastor got up and he said, Hey, I'm the lead pastor. Well, I think I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah, my job here is to confirm the decision that's already been made of this church. So when Cindy and I, a little bit later in the service, we'll, we'll do that in more of a formal ceremony. We certainly are not naming your pastor as the pastor because you've already done that. We are simply saying that uh, we're here to confirm that, and we're excited. So it's kind of one of the formal things we do in the Assemblies of God that, uh, that we're very excited to, to be here and do this morning. But before I do that, I just want to challenge you from God's Word. By the way, even before I do that, let me just say it's a delight to see all of you. It's a de- delight to worship in a, in a church where people actually act like they're excited. <laughs> you know, sometimes we go... Well, I won't tell you everything we experienced, but I can tell you that walking in, actually outside on the front porch before we walked in, you're greeted warmly, people treat you well. You know, people love people when they know they're loved. You see how that whole cycle works. And I would just continue, or challenge you to continue that, do a good job. The last time I was here, we were talking about this transition time. And we were talking about, in fact, Pastor Todd had come to me about 18 to 20 months before his retirement. And he said, you know, at some point in the future, I know that I want to get in my RV and go to the desert. No, he didn't say that. He said, at some point in the future, I want to get in, in, uh, I want to move forward in, in a retirement type of a setting. And we'd like to transition well. One of my huge responsibilities with the network as a lead pastor of church development, is I work with churches in transition. So on an average, I meet with about 20 churches uh, a year that go through transition. That's kind of a normal thing. I've actually had three of those conversations, two board meetings this week alone. So I, I do that quite often. And I have to tell you that I often come back to the model uh, Todd and I's conversation early on, and then later Todd and Brent and I, and then then Todd and the board and Brent, and then when I came here, because I think it was a pretty good model. I think he did a great job. I, I'm excited about that. So uh, I, I just wanted to tell you, good job. Good job. Good job in the process. And then to throw the you know, wrench in the whole thing, it, we didn't know this pandemic. You're going to be right in the middle of that. And yet you guys still transitioned well. So, so good job. Let's get to the Word of God. Nate, I saw you walk back in. Did you get some coffee? We were talking about you. Did you hear us? Yeah. Hey, you need to practice a little, see if you can get a little excited before you do those announcements. No, we said a lot of nice things. She can fill you in later. So thank you. Thank you. When I was 43, 
I uh, went, was taking out a, a life insurance policy and I went to a doctor friend of mine. Uh, I, I didn't really have a doctor. I mean, I had, I was always doing something. I had some, you know, I've been broke a few times and sewed up a few times and those kind of things. But, but as far as just general health, I didn't have one. So a friend of mine's name was, was Bud, was a, a, a doctor in the area. And I went to him for a physical to get this life insurance policy. And I thought, well, it's probably time I get checked. And I remember him walking in and he looks at it. Actually, I was 42. He looks at my, uh, he looks at my chart and he goes, well, when's the last time you had a physical? And I said, well, college sports, you know, and he goes, well, that's not a physical. And I go, well, I guess I've never had one. Since then, I've made it a practice on a regular basis to have an ongoing checkup with the doctor because I want to know how I'm doing. You know, the older I get, the more I know I need that. And the more I do need that, but I also want, you know, this outside insight. And uh, a lot of times in January, we're kind of setting the course for the year. You know, people will do New Year's resolutions. They'll do all kinds of things like that. And sometimes they schedule, as I have, an annual physical that will come up sometime in the next short amount of time. And I go to that doctor because I want to check up. I, I, I want to see, you know, see how I'm doing. I want, to, I want to make sure everything is okay. That's very important in our physical bodies. And I would encourage you, particularly as you get older, to do that. But sometimes we need the same type of a checkup spiritually. Spiritual checkups. Spiritual checkups kind of monitor our spiritual health like a physical checkup monitors our physical health. And if we really want to be all that God wants us to be, and I think that's what we want. If we want to be all that God wants to be, we need his input on how we're doing. That friend of mine, Bud, because he was a friend, that may have got me in the door. But the real reason I went in there is because he was a qualified physician. And I wanted him to give me his input in regards to how I was doing. And what I needed to do. And what I might... Uh, maybe, maybe, I, maybe there were some cautions that he would see. Or there were some indicators that might come up in that checkup that, that I would have to address. This morning I want to talk to us about regular spiritual checkups. And uh, there's a couple thoughts about that. They're important because, um, and I want to talk about why they're important. They're important because they help us to, to know what to look for, to, to, to see indicators in our life. And in this, in this talk, I want to talk about why they're important. But I also want to talk about what do you do with the doctor's results? What, what do you do once you discover some things? You know, if that doctor says... You know, you've got an issue. We see there's a problem. The cholesterol's a little high or this or that or the blood pressure. They may prescribe something for us. And we have to make a decision. Will we heed to the doctor's warnings? Will we heed to um, the results of the test? And, or, or will we just continue to live life the way we are? And, of course, if we want extended, fulfilled, and a good life, we continue. You know, we will listen to their to what they've told us. So, so kind of keep that in mind as we, as we jump in to this uh, particular talk, all right? I want to go to 2 Corinthians 13.5. I think you'll have it on the screen. And uh, in the message, which I like, it says this. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. So look at that first. Test yourselves. That's interesting. To make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. Listen to this last line. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. 
Let that sink in a second. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay. That Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Do something about it. The importance of spiritual checkups are, are many. There's many reasons that they're important. But one thing is, and I don't mean this to scare you or give too much credit to an enemy. But you need to know we do have an enemy. We have an enemy of our soul that would love to take us out. We have an enemy that, according to John 10.10, comes to rob, steal, and uh, kill and destroy. Rob, kill, and destroy. If, If at all possible, when Jesus offers us abundant life, he will rob us of that abundant life, if possible. Now, we don't have to be afraid of him, because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. But we should be aware of him. And we should, the Bible says in one place in one translation that we are to know his tactics. We should not be ignorant of his devices. We should realize that he would love to take us out. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Now he didn't say he was a roaring lion. He said... That he's like a roaring lion in one version. The devil is, the devil is, would, would love, love to take you out if you are not careful, if you forget what you're doing. So the first reason it's important is so that we know that and recognize that there's an enemy. The second thing that I think is important with spiritual checkups is the very fact that time takes its toll on all of us. I seen a uh, friend of mine a couple weekends ago. Cindy and I were with all of the preacher's kids. We have a PK escape over in Central Oregon. And we were there and speaking. And, and uh, this friend of mine, if I mentioned his name, you'd all know him. Say it. But uh, he's probably, he's, he's mid-50s, I guess. And, and I saw him kind of gimping. And I walked over to him. And I go, what's up, man? And he goes, I don't know. I just got out of bed. <laughs> How many of you know, you got to be careful. You can get injured getting out of bed or in bed. You know, I mean, you just, the older you get, it kind of happens. And what is crazy is we all agree that older cars, I think we all agree, that older houses, that older bodies need maintenance. Would you agree with that? Yeah. How many would agree with that? Okay. You know what's crazy for some of us that are seasoned saints? The older we get in Christ, the more we think we know it all. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I don't need to do that anymore. And by the way, you don't need to tell me what to do. And if we're not careful, we can become very stale in our walk with God. Because older in God is not just not just age. I don't, I don't mean that's a certain age that you reach. What I mean is... If, if we're not careful, we can become very complacent in God and we can forget to allow God the right to speak into our lives. I think older and younger believers need checkups on a regular basis. We never get to a place where we have arrived. We never get to a place where we're good enough. If that happens, God will take you. But until that happens... We still need checkups, regardless of our age. Right, Brother Bruce? He's going, absolutely. 
one of my heroes in the, the faith. So good to see him here this morning. Checkups are important because we need an outside insight. You know what I mean? Getting ready to sell a house, maybe. Cindy and I have actually done this before. and We called our friend, Allie, who was a realtor and part of our church. Said, Allie, we need you to come over and tell us what the house is worth. We want you to look around, give us some suggestions. So she walks in and mentions some things. You know, I noticed in the back bedroom in one corner of the drywall, it's cracked. And, you know, there's a piece of trim back there in the one room that needs to be replaced. I saw a hole in the bathroom door. And, of course, we had some daughters fighting. We know where that came from. (laughs) They never did it to this day. But, yeah, whatever. They're probably listening. I'll get this later. But Allie basically said, from my perspective as an outsider, what I see looking in is you need to address these. Now, when it comes to a home, I definitely want to listen to Allie because she's going to help me maximize the amount of money that I'm going to receive off the sale. From her her trained eyes as an outsider, she looks in and says, these are going to catch your eyes and they're they're easy, simple fixes. But if you'll do it, you can get more money. So we listen. We listen. Sometimes we are ready to do that in something like a house. But we don't do the same thing in our spiritual matters. Sometimes we refuse to live an accountable life. But I would say that nobody can afford to live an unaccountable life. That we need to test ourselves and we need to give others that are friends of ours the right to speak into our life to make sure that we stay in the way, in, in, on the right path and the way we should go. We also need the facts. That's why it's important to get an outside insight. We need the facts. By the way, our text said to test yourself. Well, all the implication of the entire text is, is that's with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, let yourself be examined before God. In other words, you submit yourself personally. Let this be a personal decision to test yourself. Verse 5 says you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Christ is in you. I wonder what the first-hand evidence would be. Maybe it's that we love everyone well. Maybe it's that we display Christ's likeness. Maybe it's that we practice the golden rule, which is not out of date. It's not old-fashioned. It's still a principle that works. And we say, God, would you, would you help me? Would you help me? We need to, I know, I know this, we need to be brutally honest if we're going to be all that God intends us to be. We have a tendency to become complacent and it doesn't take very long. What feels new and exciting, it just takes a short amount of time and all of a sudden that, that, be, that feels more complacent than anything else. Spiritual checkups in our lives will also provide potential, will will provide indicators of potential problems. You know, when you go to that doctor, a lot of times you walk into the doctor and maybe it's not a regular checkup or maybe it is. And he'll just say, well, how's things going? And uh, you you, you know, doc, I've kind of lost my appetite. I got to tell you, when I lose my appetite, there is a problem. (laughs) But a loss of appetite in a normal everyday life, a loss of appetite can be an indicator of some other problems. In fact, a, a medical person will look at that and say, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about that. What about in a spiritual application? How's your appetite for the things of God? 
How's your appetite for the word? How's your appetite for the church? For the mission? How's your appetite for the supernatural? As God would speak to us. I want to be open to God and I want to make sure that I stay hungry. The Bible says that I need to, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to, there's this, there needs to be a hunger for the things of God. Other times I go to a doctor and he says, well, how are you doing? I say, well, you know, I don't really have the energy I once had. I just feel blah. I don't even know the definition of blah. I should have looked that up. But when I said it, you all thought of something, didn't you? Yeah, you all said, man, well, yeah, me too. Yeah. Just feel blah. Sometimes we, as believers, we get to the point where we see ourselves as victims more than conquerors. It's easy in a pandemic world with social media and everything else that is screaming at us to somehow think maybe the church is going backwards. I don't believe that for a minute. And any time I start thinking maybe, all I have to do is thumb to the end of that Bible on the Bible app and you'll realize that we're going to win. Jesus, Jesus is more than a conqueror and he wants us to be. He wants us to prosper in that sense. He wants us to understand that. But sometimes we have a lack of spiritual energy. Sometimes it seems like we're more down than we are up. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about a, you know, a high emotional you know, even outward thing, but, but it's just when your head's on the pillow and it's just you and your God, do you see yourself as defeated or do you see yourself as victorious? Spiritual checkups will, will address that. What about compromise? And sometimes I go in and indicator that I'm not doing well as I'm compromising Things. I'm just finding myself doing things that I normally would not do, and yet I'm doing it. You know, Paul, the guy that wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he's pretty, you know, had pretty good credentials. In Romans chapter 8, he says, I just can't figure me out. Speaking of himself. Actually, it might be Romans 7. And he said, For the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I wouldn't do, I find myself ever doing. King James Version says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this law of sin and death. It's a battle that all of us, no matter where you are, no matter what your status, from time to time, you will find yourself in those kinds of positions. And you you have to be careful that when you're feeling that way, you don't compromise. You You don't give in. You remember way back in the Old Testament, there were two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Some of you remember the story. They were twins. The elder, even though they were twins, the one that was born first had a birthright. A birthright was extremely important because not only was it it, an inheritance of everything that dad owned, but it was a double portion of everything that all the rest of the kids got. So here Esau has this inheritance. He's been out hunting, hasn't done very well. Apparently he's not that great a hunter because he comes back starving. And uh, he gets back and his, his brother has cooked, this, has cooked this, this stew that smells great. And his brother is pretty deceiving. In fact, that's what his name meant. And he says to him, he says, if you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you this food. 
And there's some interesting conversation there because the birthright was going to be an inheritance that he would have received a little bit later. That he would have received a little later. And he makes a statement like, well, what good's a birthright if I starve? Well, first of all, dude, you're not going to starve, right? I mean, you might have missed a day or so of food, but you're okay. But in the moment, Esau does something terrible in the way of compromise. The Bible says that he forfeited his future for the sake of the moment. Now, that's Lee paraphrased, but that's what happened. That's what happened. And, and we have to be careful that we don't forfeit our future for the sake of a moment. You know, in a normal world, if there is such a thing anymore, on a weekend night like last night, there are people that went to lots of places, met people they didn't know, went with, home with them to do things we won't say here. But in doing so, they literally, for the sake of a moment in time, potentially sacrificed their whole future. I see believers do that in a spiritual sense. We get so focused on the moment that we forget that God is in control. We get so focused on the moment that we forget that God has brought us here. We get so compromising in our flesh, in our spirit, in, in, our, in our humanity, that we say and do things that will cost us for decades to come. And I would challenge you, as you're doing this spiritual checkup, to make sure there's nothing there that you're compromising, that you're going to regret later. Remember this, every action has a consequence. I heard somebody say once that every seed bears a harvest. It just does. You don't get away with it. And a God who loves you enough to let you choose also tells us that your sins will find you out. You have to make sure so compromise can set in. Another thing that might be an indicator of a problem is frequent directional changes. Now the doctor, my MD, may not say that to me. But when it comes to the great physician, and when I'm talking to him about me, he often reminds me that, Lee, you seem like you're hotter. You know, you're, you're hot and then you're cold and you're hot and you're cold. You're inconsistent in, in maybe church attendance or Bible reading. You have some well-defined cycles in your life that are obvious to those around you, and yet you deny them. You ever think about that? Way, 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 way back. Even before your pastor was probably born. There was a song that was really popular, and it talked about going around the mountain again. And the idea of that is, is, is God will bring us to the mountain. And of course, the metaphor comes from the children of Israel wandering around and around and around in the wilderness. But the idea was, is we get up against these things we need to address. And instead of addressing it, we just go around and around and around. The problem with that cycle is, is it doesn't take us forward. Because forward only takes us where we've been. Because we do the same thing we've always done, expecting something different. And we know that's a definition of chaos. When in reality, as we do the same thing we've always done, we only get what we've always had. And sometimes that's not victory. In other words, you walk a life of defeat. And God says, let's move on. Maybe 2022 will be your year to move out. What about justifying our actions or maybe our negative actions. You know, when I find myself in a place spiritually where I feel strong that I have to defend my position and I become 
argumentative and oversensitive and I refuse counsel and accountability. There's something going on inside. Boy, with social media, it's easy to do that, isn't it? I mean, we at our fingertips can instantly voice our opinion. We can search the world wide web to find someone that thinks just like us. And we can jump on all these bandwagons. And we have to be careful that our negative actions don't rule us. Which brings me to the next one. We're easily offended. We're easily offended. You know, John Bevere, some of you might know that name, author and preacher for many years. Numbers of years ago did a series called The Bait of Satan. And his argument was that the bait of Satan, the bait that Satan uses in our lives is actually the offenses that come our way. And we know the scripture says that it's impossible that you will not. But if you take up the offense, if you take up the offense, John Bevere argued that it was like the, it was like the bait on the, on the uh, think, think of a mousetrap. It was like the bait on the trigger. And when you grab it, you're ensnared with that. And the way it plays out is there are some people, now I don't know all of you, and I don't think toxic truck waiting to dump. You know what I'm saying? And it has to do with offenses that have built up that led to unforgiveness and they haven't done it. And they've been offended somewhere back to the point that now they want it. Everything is seen through that lens. The Bible says that it's easier to overthrow a strong fortified city that offenses are like, are like a root. And if a root of bitterness gets inside of you, it, it says that it will finally grow to the point because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the root of bitterness comes out and, and some translation says it defiles many. Others says it pollutes everyone around them. You've seen those kind of people. Wonderful saints, but refuse to, to deal with offenses correctly. Maybe in our checkup, we discover that we're pretty easily offended. Okay, here's the results. Got the lab test back and here's what it says. Sometimes he tells us to adjust our diet. Right? In the physical. And, and we may need to adjust our diet even now. I'm tempted to go a certain direction further than I should, Pastor. So I won't. But I can tell you this. That if a steady diet of social media and news is what you're dealing with, you're not going to be too healthy. It's amazing how fear sells. And we have to be careful, okay? Sometimes we have to adjust our routines. Do you know that Bible reading, I saw the Bible app, which I use every day, used it this morning. Do you know that the, uh, that the routine of, of, of devotions, if you want to call it that, or Bible reading, it's a habit. And, and, and you know... Sometimes you look at it and you go, man, I didn't really feel that powerful. It wasn't that great of a time. And I know that. But habitually, as you build those things into your life, church attendance like you're doing this morning, community with other believers, involvement, think a better spiritual person. It makes you a better reflection of God on this earth. So I would encourage you to make sure that your routines are adjusted. I would also challenge you. On, on extreme occasions, a doctor might say, man, you need a transplant. David seemed to know this back in the day because he said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. 
We have to be transformed. And according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, the way that happens is by hanging out with God. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in our mind when we hang out with God. There's a lifestyle. Once in a while, the doctor says you're terminal. And we know that the next thing that happens is a funeral. Spiritually speaking, there are times when we need to die to ourselves. To completely crucify this flesh. I need to completely put this aside. And God says, you're right. And he helps us to do that. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I felt strong that I ought to just share that with you. Maybe it's because we're in a new year. I keep hoping we're in a new season. I guess we are. And I keep saying, Lord, what, what do I need to do moving forward? Cindy and I were with a group of leaders. I'd say, who are you talking to? But they were talking to me. And they asked me about a particular 15-year stint where Cindy and I were lead pastors in a church. And, and Pastor Brent, they said, so, well, you see, according to the word, no demon of hell can take you out. They got to go through God. According to the word, his word that is forever settled in heaven is going to continue and remain. According to the word of God, no storm or pandemic without God's permission could ever take me out. And then on top of all of that, Paul said, if you live, you're with Christ. If you die, you're with Christ. To be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. And therefore, we are not like those who have no hope. In life we have him, in death we have him. That's a pretty good win-win. Isn't it? Yeah. Here's the challenge. That same God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever will could accept him. And he said that my desire is that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And that none would perish but that all would have everlasting life. Scripture tells us all those things. But that same God loves me enough to allow me to exercise my will to whatever extent I choose. I can choose God or I cannot choose God. Sometimes people say, well, how would a loving God send people to hell? To which I say he doesn't. It's a result of action. His desire, and he proved it by sending Jesus, is that we can have life. I get to choose. I can exercise my right. Now, we're Oregonians. We like to do that. When it comes to God, I can exercise my right into heaven or hell. And when it comes to the things of God, like spiritual checkups in this moment and this season you're in, you can exercise your right in whichever direction you choose. Will I go with God, the great physician, and find out what he wants and what I need to do? Or will I continue to live my life substandard to what he would hope? That's my choice. My decision, Cindy and I, we, our decision this year, we're, we're, we're going to keep getting better. I don't want to get better. I want to get better. You know, I, I, I don't want to engage in all that. I want to engage in this. I, I, I want to see what God wants me to do. So as we close out this part, and I pray for you, would you please at least consider the words I've spoken? Now, I'm not an authority or a boss, and, and, and I tried to speak God's words more than mine this morning. So that's what I want you to hear. The Bible says the Holy Spirit that is within us at salvation. He teaches us, he instructs us, and he shows us God in a clear way. So my prayer is that he would do that this morning to all of you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this great group of people.
I thank you, Lord, for your amazing love. And Lord, when we take that amazing love and we apply it to this great group of people, I think great things can happen. Lord, I think that you can do, well, you said in one place more than we could ever imagine in our lives if we will just say yes in every way. Father, personally this morning, I submit myself to you and say, Lord, would you continue to show me things that I need to address so that I can be spiritually healthy. And God, help my practice today and often to be one that includes spiritual, regular spiritual checkups. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Help me to, help me to do what I said I'm going to do, Lord. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day that they accept Christ into their life. The Bible says it's simple to become a believer of Christ. You just confess your need and ask you in. And, and, and it puts us on the right path. And the Lord, the pastoral staff and the elders and the people of this church will then show them and teach them and disciple them in the ways they should go. Lord, we pray for that in Jesus' name. Lord, for any that might have allowed their relationship to become marginal, we pray, God, that you would ignite it with a fresh passion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to kind of shift gears here. And I'm going to ask my wife and uh, your pastor and Hosanna, come on up. And uh, the elders or, or board of directors or whatever. I, you know, I go to so many churches, I forget which title they're used in each of the churches. I want you to come up here and join me as well. And we're going to have a, a formal presentation. Did you bring that plaque? Good. So we go here. Would that be better? Or up down here? Where would you like us? Oh, thank you. Now we got some room. Come on down here. You know, Hosanna, when you were leading worship a little earlier, you said, let's press into the Lord. And, and I noticed a, a beautiful lady came up and, and um, said some things in first person, which is really weird, isn't it? Unless God still speaks to his church that way. I think he does. Apparently you think he does. And, uh, and I love what God said. I said to you earlier today that I'm not here to make you the pastor. The congregation has done that. You guys have all done that. But we are here to confirm it. You know, the organ ministry network, as you know, exists to develop effective leaders. And to come alongside in such a way that we can build healthy churches and healthy ministries. And every time I've been in this building in the last two or three years, I just feel that we have that here. And I want to commend you. And I'm, and I'm excited as we move forward. So I do have a uh, couple of things that Cindy and I would like to do. Uh, forgive me for turning my back on all of you and talking to him. But I'm talking to him right now. So sorry. <laughs> I should say them. Them. Not just him. Them. Pastors Brent and Hosanna Wagner of Springfield, Oregon. Having acknowledged God's call on your life to be pastors. And having acknowledged God's commission to be shepherds of this fellowship through the selection process of this local assembly, I want to ask you a few questions. Will you commit to listening to God and communicate God's word without compromise? Will you love these people and care for them as a shepherd would? Will you lead these people as God leads you? It's an important piece. Hard to lead where, we're, where we haven't been, huh? Yeah. Will you be examples of faith, faithfulness, and integrity? And will you be pastors of prayer? 
I'm going to ask that uh, if you guys just kind of come up here, won't you move over this way a little bit? And uh, before we give this, and we just want to lay hands on them. I want to pray for them. I'm going to ask you guys to extend your hands towards your pastor here. And uh, we're just going to pray. All right. Father, we thank you for the decision process of this congregation. Lord, as a nonprofit faith community here in the state of Oregon, there are things that are required like elections. All of those have been fulfilled. But God, we recognize and realize there's a higher power. And God, this morning, we are joining our agreement from, as a representative of the, North, uh, of the Oregon Ministry Network. Lord, we are adding our uh, endorsement, our agreement with the decision made. And Father, we're praying for fresh anointing. We're praying, God, that the prophetic word that was stated this morning will be fulfilled completely. God, we pray for, for a, uh, an ongoing mutual submission to each other, pastor to congregation, congregation to pastors, and that, God, you would just bless and anoint this couple in a powerful way. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, and we thank you for this moment. And, God, we are very, very excited for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was thinking, Pastor, about the word uh, anointed. I heard that earlier in this prophetic statement, and, and, and I just used it in my prayer. I heard somebody say one time that the anointing of God is the ingredient that God adds that makes what a preacher says believable. And I've expanded that through the years, and I believe that the anointing is the ingredient that God adds that makes what we attempt possible. Right? And see, so earlier, we were admonished through that word to, to, to come underneath this fresh anointing. We're asking for fresh anointing. Love your folks, man. We all, everybody here loves your folks. But that, that, that ship has sailed in terms of this leadership. Right now is a new time. And I want to free you. Not that I have to, because I think these people have done it. But be who God has called you to be. Be who God has called you to be in this season. Yeah, you can give my hand. I want to read to you, and on behalf of uh, Bill Wilson, our lead pastor, and uh, the Oregon Ministry Network, we'd like to present this plaque, and I would like to read it to you. It says, Congratulations, Pastors Brent and Hosanna Wagner, presented on this 30th day of January 2022. On the occasion of your confirmation as lead pastors of New Life Church, Springfield, Oregon. It has Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, and as pastors, we know this is our job description. Here's what it says. He gave some to be pastors to prepare God's people for the work of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attending the whole measure of, full, of the fullness of Christ. God has raised you up for such a time as this to serve as the pastors of this local church. You have been ordained and anointed to be spiritual leaders, vision casters, and shepherds of these people. May you rely upon his wisdom and strength to assist you in this awesome responsibility. May you experience growth numerically and spiritually so that the church will continue to be a dynamic fellowship in this community and around the world. May New Life Church experience its greatest days under your leadership and care. And it is signed Bill Wilson, Network Lead Pastor. And uh, we're just so excited to present this to you. Let me present this to you. 
All right. All right. Something I love about starting fires is you can usually tell who's new at it and who's done it for a while. Because uh, no shade of my father-in-law, but he's over there and he has like stacks and stacks of paper towels. And I'm like, dude, you're bad at this. Like, I love you, but it shouldn't take a whole roll of paper towels to get this going. And something you learn about gasoline, paper towels, all these things that you kind of use when you're doing making fires is it starts a fire, but it's, it's gone like that. If you want a fire that's going to warm you up, that's going to be sustainable, you've got to have those huge chunks of wood to go. It's the same in our life. When we begin to be tested by the Lord, it says that he's a devouring fire because he's burning through our lives to see what's real, what's sustainable. Um, ironically, uh, when Pastor Lee shared that story of John Bevere, I remember it must have been like 15 years ago he came and spoke at a conference. And I was 18 fresh like youth intern and I was excited to be there and I actually went to go take the tithes and offerings for him and he thought that I was trying to like get out so he called me out for everyone he was like hey you trying to get out of service sit down and I was so embarrassed and you know I, I look at my I look at my friend and I'm like I'm gonna go tell this guy what's up and he's like do you even know who that is that's from Bevere and I'm like I'm sorry hey he's youth intern and I'm gonna go tell him what's up and so I actually walk up to the front row sit next to Pastor Lee and I'm just like ready to box, man. I'm like, here we go. This guy's going to apologize. And I just remember in that moment as worship was going, the Holy Spirit talked to me. He's like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? <laughs> are you serious? I was ready to fight, fight John Bevere, but I'm not ready to fight the Lord. I was like, I'm going to lose this 10 out of 10. This is not good. And so the Lord tested me in that moment. And everything that I brought that I thought was good, God burned up. If you're here and God's speaking to you, write on your connection card, what is God asking you to burn up today? When you're being held accountable, when God's testing your life, when the great physician is testing you, what's he saying? It's time to burn this up. Let's uh, start a figurative fire here in the church. Let's not do any real ones. I've heard of Pastor Brent's youth days. We don't want to do that. It's bad. But um, let's start a figurative fire, a spiritual fire of God just purifying our lives. Amen. God, right now, I thank you for who you are. I pray as we are obedient, God, that you would just glorify yourself in this place. That as we come to you looking to glorify you, that you would point out the ways that we can best shine our lights for you. That we wouldn't be a seed that springs up quickly, but we would be life-sustaining. God, that we'd be long-lasting. That we'd be part of the legacy of your church that builds kingdom come. God, that the gates of hell would shake in its presence. That nothing 
could ever conquer. But God, that with you, we are more than conquerors. We thank you for who you are and what you do. In your name we pray. Amen. I have the privilege of celebrating something amazing this morning. So when, so at the end of September, when I started here as the children's pastor, um, the kids were at about $300 for the year for BGMC. And I challenged the kids for the month of October, November, and December. If we could reach $500, we would do something special to celebrate and their great suggestion was to pie Pastor Brent. So I went to Pastor Brent and I asked him, thinking he would say no, that I should do it instead. But he very graciously and excitedly said, anything for missions, anything for the kids. And so kids have raised over $500, actually, for 2021. And let me just say, two weeks ago, we made our goal for this year, and we have quadrupled the goal. So we are going to raise $2,000 this year for missions. And that is, oh. you heard it here, folks. Hosanna will take a pie next. I think we should get the whole staff if we reach 2,000 or dunk tank or something fun. So your kids believe in missions just like you guys do. They're making a difference all around the world with their pennies, dimes, and nickels. And so today, I have two of my helpers up here. My friends Liam and Chase are going to hold the pie. You guys going to hold each of you? Okay. And on the count of three, I don't think that matters. (laughs) On the count of three, we're going to count down together, and they are going to smear this all over Pastor Rinse. Face. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready at the count of three? Three, two, one. Hi, Pastor Brent. 
Yes. How does it taste? Merengue. He picked it out, so he can't complain. He picked the pie. I figured this was your favorite is why you picked it. Good job, guys. Good job, New Life Kids. Good job. Give yourself a high five. Thank you, Liam and Chase. You guys can have a seat. Make sure you guys get a picture of this. It looks great, doesn't it? Thank you, guys. Thanks, kids, for believing in missions. Have a wonderful week. God bless you guys.